Hey everybody, welcome to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about all things Microsoft and all things related to Microsoft. Uh, I'm your co-host, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined with the world's greatest co-host. Arif Bacchus. Yeah, we're here for another week full of news. Uh, we also have a special for all of you people uh, who follow the site and follow our Twitter. We have a, we have a interview with the guests, which is going to be pretty awesome. Hope you guys enjoy that. Um, but just to kind of run down what we're going to be talking about today, we have uh, first in our agenda is about Teams uh, finally becoming uh, personal. It, it's You can use it just like you use a regular Outlook account. You don't necessarily need to have uh, a Microsoft Exchange or a Microsoft student account or anything like that to get some access to some of the new Teams features. And then our second topic is related to security. You guys might have heard all the talk about the M1 chip that Apple put out this week, the MacBooks with it. We did cover that, but there was some big news in terms of security with future Windows PCs and Microsoft coming up with a new chip that's called Pluton, which will be in future PCs to help stop uh, basically hackers and things like uh, Spectre and Meltdown attacks. Yeah, and then we'll be talking some more Apple adjacent news with uh, the uh, Microsoft Edge going, uh, becoming a, uh, what is it, uh, Mac OS with the new M1 chip uh, support. Uh, people will be able to kind of get Edge on that. So it's, you know, we already have a compiled version of it, uh, but now it's going to fully support that natively. We'll talk and about then, that. And of course, uh, also related to Edge, there was a couple of big announcements this week uh, heading into the holiday season. So we'll recap some Edge news as well. Yeah, and again, those are just just the topics. We'll, we'll jump into the more meaty parts of it right now. Uh, going right into our first segment, with the, which is uh, Teams Becoming Personal. Um, and this is a very personal story, uh, pun intended, because <laughs> I've been trying to get access to this personal version. Uh, it's been uh, a rigmarole trying to get around, figuring out how to download the right one, get access to it, and be able to kind of flip back and forth between what we use here at all Microsoft as you know our business and work accounts versus what I use as my own Microsoft uh, personal account. And to date, I have been able to replicate what some people on the internet, a handful of people, have been able to do, which is actually download um, the install and be able to switch accounts. So far, every time I do it, um, I'm driven right back to my business account. Um, I don't know about you, if, uh, or if you've got a chance to do it. I mean, I think uh, we were chatting with Laurent in the chat uh, this morning, and he said he had the same issue you did. But if you, I was able to do it through the web. I think, I believe if you go to teams.microsoft.com slash live or something like that, but uh, the, the website that they're using to get personal accounts to work through Teams that has the live URL in it. And if you do that through the web, you'll be able to get team your personal Teams on the web. But uh, as for the app, yeah, so far it's pretty much what Kareem has said. I've not been able to get my personal stuff in the app. It's only been working with our on Microsoft account so far. Yeah, there's been, like I said, there's been some meet a guy down by the corner and he'll give you a, a hand signal and talk to somebody else at a hidden door kind of workarounds for people. I've been reading on Reddit. Some people mentioned about logging out uh, of your business account and then downloading the install. So you have a fresh install uh, and a fresh account going in there. I mean, again, however you get it, the bottom line is there's also a set of new things, uh, new features that have been enabled uh, or at least ported over to this personal account, uh, which will allow you to, um, I think it's, we have 
you will be able to sync your uh, chats from your phone to your computer and carry mm -hmm. on conversations uh, across devices. Um, you'll be able to talk to friends and family and video and video chat and audio calls uh, for with up to three thousand people. Is that correct? Or three hundred? Three hundred. Three hundred. Yeah. Three hundred. Yeah. I was like, ah, man, they're really <laughs> blowing the doors off of this one. Uh, at least 300 people uh, with a 24-hour uh, use window. So, you know, right off the bat, you're kind of breaking out of that early Zoom confines. I think Zoom has kind of expanded there. Uh, the, the minutes you can use plus the number of people. I think they're at, uh, what is it, 40 now? Or somewhere, somewhere sub-50 or whatnot. And the time limit's uh, expanded as well. Um, the other thing you'll be able to get is you can share video meetings uh, in invites with anyone. Um, they don't necessarily have to have a Teams account, which is huge. This huge, is something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has held back Skype, um, I think, for the last decade or so, where people had to have a Microsoft account or a Skype ID in order to be able to converse. This uh, open access uh, is huge uh, to kind of get Microsoft up on that same pe uh, pedestal as the other. Um, easy to use chat services. Uh, you'll be able to upload and share photos and videos from your computer and in uh, in any personal group uh, or personal chat. Um, again, huge feature. Uh, and I think the last one is um, SMS texting between. Yes. So if this is this is what I told everyone when I heard this announcement. Uh, Microsoft PR sent me the email at an odd time of the night, and I covered this story. But I, the big thing that I got out of it is that now you're, the person that you're talking to does not need to have Teams installed on their phone. You could start a chat from your desktop version of Teams with your personal account and then uh, just put in their phone number and chat with them through Teams desktop. And it sends the messages out via SMS with a link to download Teams. So again, like Kareem hinted at, it's a big deal because it's getting pushing more people to download Teams in the same way that more people are using Zoom right now. Well, this is also considered, uh, and again, I like to, you know, at least take a view outside of my own uh, privilege and personal uses. This, I think, could be huge for um, what we consider developing countries. I don't like to use that term all that much, but in Africa, in India, some places like that, where people again don't have access uh, to the full suite of Microsoft Office but need to communicate with family members or friends or business associates overseas, anything like that. This is huge because, again, they don't necessarily need to have a computer. Right. They don't need, also need to have uh, access to Microsoft account in order to communicate still. Uh, I mean, again, while you get prompted uh, to get the app, um, this is still, you know, it's another barrier kind of uh, rendered insignificant for those types of communications I, and I, those types I, of situations. I do think they said it's only U.S. and Canada for now, as as usual. Oh. It's, it's U.S. and Canada rollout first, and other regions coming later. But I guess it, again, everything we're talking about right now, it's not official. It's still rolling out in preview on a slow slow basis, as usual. So not everyone will be seeing it right away. So I, I guess they're just testing the waters because uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming up here in the U.S. So Thanksgiving is next week. Well, pretty when this podcast is up, it's the same week. But the holidays are coming up. So Microsoft is pushing people and giving people more ways to communicate to try and avoid like traveling because of the COVID-19 situation, which is pretty yeah, it's, huge. It's, it's trying to bring people together no matter where they are. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, again, all the grandiose things I just said uh, about two minutes ago, internationally speaking, uh, ideally will hold. Um, but yeah, as things are rolling out, at least people uh, in rural areas and things like that, uh, again, who don't have access to all Should of these be, things yeah. in the U.S., will be able to you know stay safe and still communicate this uh, holiday season. Um, we have a section we just kind of kind of look at how Zoom and Skype kind of compete now, because it seems like. Uh, despite Skype recently getting, you know, um, more features and becoming more Zoom-like, Teams is really steamrolling all of that momentum by adding everything in the kitchen sink underneath it. So um, I do enjoy um, having tested the uh, ability to, to, to make calls and chats uh, instantly from my uh, taskbar with the new Skype integration. Uh, it's been awesome, but again, it's still part of that barrier uh, at least in mindshare wise where people think they need to have a skype account so uh i know that they kind of got rid of that a few months back but um you know not everyone has it not everyone's willing to to kind of just uh, jump into it this new version of personal teams if we can get uh if microsoft can get it out to people and figure out an easy download again could be huge you know come this time uh next you know the beginning of 2021. so when so it's I, available Got, yeah. When yeah. when it's available for you guys, the way to check is uh, they're saying to make sure you have the latest version of Teams and download the latest version of Teams. But when these personal features become available for you in preview, you'll know if you have it, you get to click your profile icon and then uh, sign in with a personal account. And then if you see that option, you'll, you'll be able to use your uh, MSA or your personal Microsoft account to chat with people separately from your work account. Now, it doesn't combine them in the same window from what I've saw from the presser material and from what people have been saying on Twitter and elsewhere. It opens a new session of Teams and puts it in a separate window, which is kind of a bummer for now, but I'm pretty sure they'll work to improve it. Uh, for those of you who have you know, dual Instagram accounts or dual Twitter accounts, I think it works just a very similar way where you click on your icon and it just brings That's up switch, the new yeah. instance of that. Yeah, that switch. So it isn't a foreign concept to people. Um, I just want to know in this kind of section, this last part and jump into the next thing, by posing the question, when do you think Teams and Skype collide or mix? Because they have to at some point. I think we're already seeing that because, right, like I said, now is uh, the with the holidays and COVID nineteen, they're pushing suddenly pushing teams as more of a personal thing rather than a business thing. So, like you like you just said, we're probably seeing that that morphing or that transition starting to happen because teams. I think uh, every month we get new numbers, and teams is becoming more and more and more and more and more popular for for everyone basically. Yeah, so at some point they're going to encroach on that 350 million that Skype's, Skype has been sitting on for the past decade. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but with that said, we'll move on to something else finally. We'll put that to rest for now. <laughs> but I just keep an eye out for those of you who are interested in trying Teams out for the first time uh, with a personal account and that, nothing associated with work. So our second topic of the day is uh, Microsoft's Pluton security chip. Like I said in the intro, everyone is talking about Apple's M1 chip and how it has eight cores or eight GPUs. Or uh, we 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 wrote a piece about it and with the general consensus. But I digress. The point is, Apple's M1 chip um, has what they call a security enclave in it. 
which handles like uh, your your uh, touch ID and all that stuff. And for those of us who follow the PC industry, right now, Windows PCs, they have this chip on it called the TPU. And on this TPU, it stores your fingerprint data, your Windows Hello data, and all the other security information. But the TPU and the CPU are two different parts, and they often have a gap or a bridge between them that hackers are able to leverage to try and physically get into your computer and steal your personal information. Well, with Project Pluton, Microsoft is aiming to eliminate that gap and put put a security chip directly onto the CPU die to help make your computer more secure. Yeah, uh, and Eric just went through a lot of technical stuff, which is always appreciated. I'm going to see if I can just offer a little bit of historics uh, and kind of an overview. Uh, as he was mentioning, uh, you know, uh, the M1 and Apple Silicon do have something. There's something I think introduced in the iPhone 7 or 8. Uh, was there, uh, or no, yeah, I think it was. Anyway, it was the T2 chip essentially that my, that uh, Apple kind of uh, glorified a few uh, years back. And this is what uh, Project Pluton aims to be at. It's this yep. uh, security chip that kind of houses everything, um, but with a bit of a twist uh, because Apple does everything on device essentially because they only have one, a handful of configurations they need to be concerned about and a single OS. Um, this Pluton chip basically is trying to accommodate uh, part of that by putting uh, everything on the die itself, but also leveraging the cloud in order to make it accessible to OEM partners, to uh, uh, other types of internet of devices, uh, software and, and development. Um, so there's a po uh, there's a possibility, because uh, I think recently the TG chip security chip ran into some issues um, uh, security wise, and they found a flaw that basically renders what the TG chip was designed to do uh, renders it uh, null and void. So, uh, and the way that Microsoft is designing their current uh, Pluton chip, uh, they can run into the same issue. Uh, beyond that, uh, what this actually does is um, it allows AMD, Qualcomm, uh, and Intel, uh, you know, access to this new form of security to again prevent things like you said, Spectre meltdown. Um, this Pluton uh, chip isn't new. Uh, the, I'm, sure, I'm assuming this version will be new, but it isn't a new concept. This is something that was designed for the Xbox back in 2013 yep. uh, to, you know, to prevent people from being able to hack the system and kind of run yep. any game or store anything like they, they wanted on that. Uh, so this is kind of going back to that archi uh, architecture and design and bringing it um, forward about seven, eight years. Um, the other thing that um, that people were hoping that what happened with this uh, is, uh, and again, this is the historics. This um, was born out of the, I forget the name of the company that Microsoft basically dissolved back in 2006. It was a security company that was within Microsoft itself. Uh, and it wasn't a revenue generator. Um, I think it was TWC or something like that. Um, but it was a huge company and it ran a lot of agenda. Uh, what Microsoft did was in 2006, I think it was, they basically dissolved it, broke it up into two separate uh, companies within Microsoft itself, and now they're all working towards one goal in Windows. Um, so again, this is basically a project that is almost 
I don't know, close to 20 years in the making for them to, to finally get there. Um, and we'll have to see uh, how fast uh, Microsoft and Intel and its other partners, AMD and Qualcomm, can iterate on this. The other benefit, too, I think, I don't know if you mentioned this, was aside from being pretty secure, as secure as, more secure than it's been uh, for Windows users, is firmware updates. Right, right. Um, you, you want to get how, into that? Yeah. I, you know, I'll let you do it. You're the, you're the more technical. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm the techno geek. So yeah. um, I did write a piece for my other publication, which basically talked a little bit more in, uh, about the security side of it. But uh, I'll summarize it here for you guys. So part of the part of the problem that we had with with uh, Spectre and Meltdown is that after these security flaws were discovered. Intel, AMD, and Qualcomm. I don't think Qualcomm was directly I impacted though, but Intel and AMD, they patched their chips to avoid these 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 security issues. And part of the problem with patching patching the chips is that you needed to go through vendors, you needed to download things from all over the internet to to get to get it fixed to avoid having your PC be insecure and protected from from spectra and meltdown right so with with the with the pluton chip microsoft is using a i think it's called a cloud to chip approach no chip to cloud approach for security updates so like you could go to windows update and update the firmware for your processor or for your chip and, and keep yourself more up to date and it's all automatic and keep yourself protected from any security threat that microsoft finds and the entire infrastructure will be handled by Microsoft itself, which makes things even more secure. Yeah, um, and I don't have much to say that. I mean, you explained it pretty well. Uh, I was just wanted, I wanted to make some corrections in case anybody in the chat or anything like that, you know, are listening to this and know these exact times. Um, I was wrong. Um, TWC stands for the Trustworthy Computing Org that was within Microsoft. Uh, it was uh, bonded with, um, what is this, uh, another smaller, the L LCA group in, within Microsoft in 2004, it looks like. And then Reorg happened in 2014, uh, and that's when they broke up the two. So, again, 2014 is when TWC kind of went away. But this project, again, has kind of been going all the way back to a Bill Gates memo back in 2002, talking about the necessity for security and kind of how Microsoft decided to really take security seriously in a way that they hadn't done um, in the 90s, and which you know led everyone to you know, the big jokes about how vulnerable <laughs> Windows and things like that. So again, I apologize for the misinformation earlier, just wanted to correct it now. Well, when Microsoft eats up these companies left and right, I can't blame you for forgetting the exact history or the exact <laughs> exact name of things. So, yeah, you're not alone. But I mean, uh, above all else, I'm very excited to see this again. I, it's not as uh, glamorous as the M1 and its speeds and reads and writes and, and uh, battery life, stuff like this. But this is, I think, a huge uh, moment for uh, Microsoft and its partners and just again reassuring security is you know top of the top of the mind for uh, its enterprise customers and it's just casual users. Again, we still don't know when exactly we'll see Pluton uh, the Pluton security chip appear on Intel, AMD or Qualcomm chips. Again, it's not a, its own separate chip. 
it's intended to be a part of the CPU as we keep repeating. So we, uh, I assume that Intel, AMD, and Qualcomm need to work to get it integrated into the CPU die or whatever. And they didn't exactly give us a date when we when we when we'll see it. They just committed to say that they're working with Microsoft on it. So it could be now. It could be now. It could be a few years from now. It could be a few months yeah, from if, now. We don't if know. Any yeah, if it's any indication, we're reading this news two years after Meltdown and Spectrum were, were at issue. So if it took them two years just to mention this, imagine how long it's going to take them to implement it. Again, CES is right around the corner too, even though it's a smaller show this year. So you never know. It could be mentioned there as well. Mentioning and implementing two different could, things still. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and again, so, Intel and Qualcomm are in a world of hurt with this M1 stuff. So they need to push at something nice. So speaking of something nice, Edge is nice, right? Yeah. And speaking of M1 adjacent, um, again, um, Microsoft is now um, released, uh, or no, soon to release. Uh, and they confirmed this via Twitter. Uh, we haven't seen a press release for just yet, but that they already are working on uh, Edge for the M1 chip to run natively on uh, the Mac OS uh, with M1 support. Um, Again, yeah. Windows or Edge on um, ARM PCs has already been compiled and was done, was it last year? I think they announced it a couple months ago. It officially rolled out, even though it was on Canary and Dev was initially when it became available. And then I think two and a half months ago or maybe a month ago, they officially released it for ARM. How long have they been? I feel like they've been testing it a while longer than, than when rolling it out, though. Yeah, they initially were testing it a couple of months after they announced the Pro X, but that was again in the dev and the Canary channels, and it wasn't officially on the public channel, which everyone uses. And they worked on it, worked on it, worked on it, and officially rolled it out a couple of months ago, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, again, it, they already have a version, but I think there's still some um, engineering and development that needs to go into specifically supporting. Uh, Mac OS and um, future iOS uh, devices that will lean on this M1 uh, design and architecture. Uh, we also had uh, build 88.0.702.0. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, a lot. Of, a lot. Of, a lot of numbers. Was was is now rolling out and is bringing with it uh, some new uh, icon designs, uh, which are you know kind of leaning on the fluent. Microsoft's evolving fluent design. Um, I personally haven't seen it yet, but I haven't been using that specific channel. So uh, maybe Eric can talk more specific to the, those design elements. So uh, if you guys aren't uh, familiar with fluent design, one of the big things with fluent design <laughs> is uh, new icons, like we saw in the start menu when they released uh, the last Windows updates, and also rounded corners. So this is some of the stuff that you'll be see rolling out now in the Edge Insider builds, not the public builds yet. So they're basically just, uh, let me see the tweet, tweet, the quote here. This new fluent design uh, icon iconography provides functional optimizations for user experience as each icon is based on a standard key line and grid. This will improve scannability as you browse menus and navigation. We've also optimized rendering across platforms and devices. So no matter which device you're browsing the web or, or on, 
the icons will appear sharp and easy to read. So that's that pretty much sums up what Fluent Design is in the words of Microsoft, of course. Yeah, and then uh, one other thing to note is that uh, Edge Dev and Canary uh, or Giddy or, or people who are using it should start seeing history syncing features roll out to uh, to the browser. Which, which is think, big uh, because they didn't yeah. they rolled out Edge almost a year and a half ago and they didn't have this feature which Google Chrome has had for probably even Firefox and Chrome have had it for for years and now finally Edge is getting it. But having tested it myself, having tested this particular feature, it works well. Okay, there was no issue because again, I, I review a, a bunch of different computers, so I'm starting uh, new Edge sessions and new browser sessions on different things that I need that information synced. Uh, so far, in the last uh, couple of days, uh, it's been working really well. Uh, I've been saving new stuff just to kind of see if I can trip it up, but it works pretty well. If you give it about two or three minutes, uh, maybe five at the most, you'll start to see all this stuff repopulate um, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Uh, also coming with Edge Dev and Canary is the ability to add text notes on PDFs. If you're the kind of per, kind of useful, if you're a student who downloads uh, PDF versions of textbooks, uh, your your inking and your PDF experience is now a lot more clean and concise. Yeah, um, I I was using uh, what was it, Adobe Acrobat or whatever. Um, yeah for the longest time because it had a lot of that uh, support natively and it was really easy to use. Now that you know Edge is gonna have it, um, I can probably get rid of that and not have to use subscription in order to like print out or save versions of my PDF. So this is again, another huge thing for people who uh, live their life in the browser. Um, this is just making Edge, uh, Edge browser life more convenient for people. And Edge also, a couple of months ago, I think it did uh, surpass Firefox as the number two browser so in the world, basically. So Edge is getting some big features and some big updates uh, just in time for maybe eventually one day we'll see it overtake Chrome. Yeah, I mean, the way Chrome is being stingy with their uh, Chrome for Windows on ARM, it's going to have to be because I think <laughs> they just mentioned as soon as it literally, like, I want to say maybe 14 hours after uh, Apple mentioned their M1. They're like, oh, we got Chrome coming out for it. And mind you, Windows people are sitting there going, hey, we've been waiting, guys. <laughs> well, uh, something else but that we've... To the detriment. <laughs> something else that we've been waiting for, I'll have Kareem introduce it. Yeah, we uh, have been teasing uh, Xbox information for the last... I don't know, three, four, five weeks, months, or whatnot. And we actually have uh, one of our writers, uh, Laurent, uh, who I believe lives in... France. France. Um, and he has been playing with both devices, and he has a lot to say about it. So uh, Arif was able to sit down with him and kind of pick his brain about you know any and all the things that you guys might want to know about the Xbox. Those of us who haven't gotten one, you know, we're all anxiously waiting and just wanting to hear news about it. So um, next up, we'll be talking to him and, uh, you know, talking about the Xbox. Yes. So do you have the latest Lumia there, Lorraine? Hello, Arif. Hello. How are you? It, it looks like he has the latest Lumia <laughs> phone there for yeah, us. Yeah, almost, almost. So yeah, it's a uh, Xbox Series S right here. So why yeah. don't you introduce yourself to us sure. and put down your Lumia phone and just uh, <laughs> talk, talk a little bit about yourself. Sure. 
So I'm Laurent, not Lawrence or Lauren, like some people call me. <laughs> Well, it's a French sorry. name. So, uh, yeah, I'm French, uh, as you can tell from my accent, and I'm also based in France. How long but, have uh, you been writing for us? Yeah, I've been uh, living the dream, the American dream, uh, for <laughs> almost uh, five years now. So, so he's, uh, he's been here a while, and you guys yeah. probably are familiar with him. He usually covers a lot of our Xbox coverage, and right. you recently saw his reviews of both of... Microsoft's next-gen consoles. So he's no stranger, and this yeah. is the first time of what we hope to be many times of him being on our podcast. <laughs> we'll see about that. You know, I uh, I can write in English, but uh, talking for me is more difficult. So uh, I'm happy to just keep writing. <laughs> it's fine for me. But, uh, <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see what happens. So okay. to get started here, why don't you talk talk about both consoles? So after using both Series X and Series S, which console is your favorite? Can you summarize it for us in a couple yeah, of so, sentences? Uh, I received the Series X uh, nearly a month ago, so I can show it to you. I have it right here. So it's pretty big, but... Uh, Are you sure so it's not a fridge? No, no. <laughs> it's a console. So you can see it here. So yeah. I can hold it with uh, just one hand like, like that, so it's not so not so big, you know. And uh, to compare the the Series S here. Wow, that that's yeah. that looks like it's really really light. Yeah, yeah. I uh, actually prefer this one because uh, really, it's uh, you can bring it bring it anywhere you want. You can uh, put it in a bag, you know. So it's really uh, really like the, the form factor. So you like Series S more than Series X? Uh, for now, I have a Series X on my TV. I have a 4K TV, so it looks looks pretty good. And uh, the Series S is uh, on my desk near my gaming PC and my uh, my monitor. So and uh, I've been using 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 it more because uh, I like having my PC, my laptop, my tablet on my desk when I'm when I'm gaming. So I have I like to have everything around me. So when I need to search something, uh, for me it's more convenient. But uh, yeah, I've been using the Series S more these days. But, so uh, which, I like both. <laughs> so you said you play both. So which console yeah. do you think plays games better? And which console has like most of the next-gen features? Actually, both consoles support the same feature, like, uh, such as uh, Quick Resume, uh, Auto HDR, uh, Ray Tracing too. But the Series X can run games in native 4K, while oh. the Series S can uh, only support up to um, 2K resolution, but most games right now are uh, mostly uh, 1080p, so that's quite a difference, but uh, the Series S can upscale game in 4K. So it do looks, both... Uh, pretty, pretty good, too. So both consoles have the same uh, SSD and the yes. same speeds and the same yes. loading times, right? Yeah, right? There's no there's no difference, like if no, someone no. if someone decides to go for the cheaper console, their games will still load as fast and it yeah. won't be as slow like it is on the original Xbox. Right, but uh, the difference is that uh, Series X has one terabyte of storage, oh. more precisely uh, 800 uh, gigabytes, and the Series S has only 364, I think. So yeah, quite a difference. And uh, mm -hmm. if you go with the Series S, you'll need uh, external storage. Yeah, okay, you can go uh, with that, uh, an SSD. Or... Yeah, yeah, so you could expand the storage on both consoles to yes. be, is that correct? Yeah, 
you can uh, either use a USB storage or the proprietary uh, Seagate card, which and is uh, quite expensive. I think it's uh, two hundred and sixty-four dollars, something you, like that. I think you have it, right? And yeah, 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 yeah. I got it with my own money, and uh, it's pretty, pretty good. You're yeah. you're planning to most of your games. You were telling me off the side before we started. Most of your games you have on the external SSD, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Does... Yeah, I move them from my Xbox One X to my uh, Series X first, and then to the Series S. Yeah, does, that, does, does that impact performance? They're still able to take advantage of all the next-gen features? Yeah, I think there is no big difference if you run games from external storage. But uh, next-gen games need to be put on the internal SSD because... Uh, they use uh, the new Xbox Velocity architecture oh. and that requires uh, the, the new SSD. Yes. So how do the two consoles compare to each other? Uh, honestly, it's a bit hard to say because for now, we don't have a lot of next-gen next games that really leverage uh, the new consoles. But I've been playing games like uh, the new Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla, mm -hmm. uh, Watch Dogs Legions, uh, Dirt 5. Both games look great on the two consoles, I have to say, but um, Assassin's Creed, it runs on 60 FPS on the Series X and just 30 FPS on the Series S. Oh. So, yes, that's, that's a bit disappointing, but uh, the game still looks good on the Series S, but it, does, it doesn't feel like a true next-gen next game, sorry, because it's a bit you know, sluggish, you know, 60, 30 FPS is not great. So yeah. even though these games are are very graphically demanding and demanding on the console, the consoles yeah. don't get hot or loud, no. do they? No, no, they are really silent. I was really surprised by that, much more than the Xbox One X that I had before, and they are so pretty cool. So yeah, that's really a nice point compared to the previous generation. I know that in the previous podcast where we covered your unboxings, we covered some of the games that you've been playing. Yeah. So can you tell us about some of your favorite games right now on these consoles? Um, I think uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is really great on the Series X. Yeah, it really looks like a true next-gen game. Other than that, uh, Dirt 5 is also really good. It's a racing game. I like it a lot. But uh, mostly I've been playing uh, old games, you know, that I have in my backlog for so long, like uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, for example. It's also really great on the Series X. Yeah. Have you been playing some other older games, like uh, Horizon, Forza Horizon or yeah, Halo? Yeah. I know you're a Halo guy, and yeah. Halo Infinite, unfortunately, was delayed. Yeah, delayed next year. So, yeah. And it's holding things back. So does Halo and Forza still look good on these consoles? Uh, Forza Horizon 4 has been patched for the new consoles. I see. So it runs at uh, 4K 60 FPS on the Series X and uh, 1080p 60 FPS on the Series S. And yeah, it looks really, really good. What about, my, the... what about my favorite game, uh, Forza Motorsport 7? Uh, this one hasn't been, been patched, but uh, it still runs at uh, 4K 60 on the Series X. So yeah. And uh, load times are, loading times are much faster too. So it's, it's good. Yeah. So we just talked about some of the big games that are on Xbox right now, yeah. but a lot of people are picking up PlayStation 5s and there's yeah. not really a lot of game next-gen games on that console either. So our final question that I have for you 
is yeah. uh, one of controversy. Say yeah. it's like uh, Windows Phone versus iPhone or Mac yeah. versus PC. So how do you think these next-gen consoles from Microsoft compare to Sony's PS5? I think Microsoft can be proud of the Series X and the Series S. The Series X, I think, is built to uh, last for maybe seven, eight years. I think it's powerful enough for many years to come. The Series S, on the other hand, I'm not sure. Um, for now, it's okay, but uh, maybe in three or four years, we'll see that uh, maybe it's not powerful enough to run the, the latest game. We'll see, but uh, as for the PS5, I think Sony has built uh, a great console too. Uh, I think the, the controller, the, the new DualSense, is uh, probably better than the new Xbox, Xbox controller. Right. Because uh, added um, a mic, uh, haptic feedback, uh, adaptive triggers too. And uh, if the if developers use it, I think it's going it's going to be uh, to make a big difference. But uh, for now, they don't have really a, a big selection of games, you know, besides Spider-Man. But uh, other than that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much the same games, you know, on two consoles. But again, yeah. like like Kareem and I have been saying for the past couple of weeks, you shouldn't really be comparing Sony yeah. to Microsoft. Just pick one and be happy, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you you can have both too. And, or uh, you could have both, yeah. And, uh, and a Switch too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So why all not? are great. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah, for now, I, I think I'm gonna keep playing mostly on the Series S. But uh, it's great to have both, really. Yeah, you, so sold, compare. you sold your yes. old Xbox, correct? Yes, yes, the One X, yes. That just shows yeah. you how much you love these next-gen consoles. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's really hard to go back and have, uh, you know, loading times, uh, quick resume. Uh, uh, so the, it's pretty, uh, yeah, it's silent. It's, uh, it's cool, too. So, uh, yeah, it's really a great upgrade for me. Yeah, I think people who can afford it will uh, really enjoy the Series X. Yeah. So do you have any final thoughts to add before we close up this segment here? Yeah. Uh, you, can, you know, I think, yeah, like I said, if you can afford it, yeah, go for it, really. If you can find, because uh, like right now, there are not a lot of talk, but uh, if you want to wait, it's okay, too, I think. You know, the games will continue to ship on, the Xbox, on Xbox One and PS4, so... Yeah, really. Uh, if you can wait six months or one year, maybe I think you <laughs> maybe don't 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 go, we're not going to miss uh, a lot of games. I think. Yeah. And uh, tell tell our viewers where they could find you on Twitter or social media. Even though I know you're not much of a yeah, social media. Yeah, don't tweet. Yeah, uh, my my Twitter is uh, Laurent Giray, so my my full name. And yeah, that's it. But uh, yeah, don't tweet a lot. Yeah, I'm you're gonna get. You're going to get lots of followers after this segment <laughs> we'll and your we'll great, see. great review of the Series X and Series S, which Thanks, we will man. have linked, by the way. Okay, great. Thanks. Uh, thank, okay. Thanks, Laurent. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. We hope and, uh, to see you again soon. Right. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye. So that was a good segment, and we'd like to thank Laurent for appearing. Hopefully, we'll see him a couple of more times on the show because... He's a really good guy, and he really knows his Xbox stuff. Yeah, and uh, I suspect, uh, you know, as we start to hear about new features coming to Xbox and more development and engineers being able to get their hands on you know, more SDK uh, uh, features and stuff like that, that we'll be having tons of Xbox news. So he might become a regular. <laughs>
so now it, uh, we're approaching the end of our podcast, which means it's time for the week ahead. And I'll let yeah. Kareem get into our first topic. If you guys hadn't had enough uh, M1 talk, we will be having more because uh, as much as we are Microsoft focused and, and Windows users, things like that, uh, this is still uh, relevant news uh, as it pushes the industry forward. Uh, you know, a lot of people were upset about, you know, comparing it, the Apple Silicon to Intel, which I think is kind of a misdirect. I think this is more on Qualcomm, which has not been taking a lot of the brunt, but Qualcomm needs to, you know, help Microsoft and help Windows users at ARM more than Intel does at the moment. Uh, we'll also be talking about 64-bit um, app emulation. Uh, this is part of uh, Microsoft basically figuring out a way to help Qualcomm as well. They're both helping each other, but the emulation layer, as we've seen with Apple's uh, Rosetta 2, is huge. Uh, if they can nail that, um, this could mitigate a lot of that um, overhead that they're seeing with uh, Qualcomm at the moment. Um, well, there, the there, wa there was some big news on the ARM 64 front because Adobe announced that they're testing Photoshop for ARM natively on Windows 10. Yeah, they waited until after Apple announced it, even though I think they've been working on this for years with Microsoft. Uh, but hey, you know, as long as it comes to the platform, who cares who gets the credit for it? But yeah, this is huge uh, as far as that's concerned. Um, and then we'll be talking about, you know, holiday stuff because, again, we have, I think, in the next three weeks or so, we have two major holidays in the U.S., which is most of those are centered around um, shopping. Uh, so, and, and to that extent, Microsoft is basically offering as many deals as it can for Duos, Series Xs, X, X, uh, the Pro X, and Service Pro. Uh, there's a ton that they'll be releasing, and there'll be a ton of game stuff as well, for those of you still stuck on uh, current-gen consoles like myself. So uh, also, it's uh, like Kareem said, it's holiday shopping season. So why don't you use Edge to help us out, to help you out in your shopping? There's a lot of features in Edge which can help you. Uh, like we've discussed, I think it was a couple of weeks ago in probably our fourth or fifth show where we talked about the collections feature in Edge getting a price checker. So if you're shopping this holiday season for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, be aware that Microsoft is here to help you. If you add a page to collections and Edge, you will get the ability to compare prices for that, that item across different platforms. And of course, let's not forget Bing rebates, where if you uh, sign into Bing with a Microsoft account and then you do your shopping through Bing, Bing shopping, you'll get uh, cash back if you buy certain items. And also Microsoft Rewards, where if you buy certain, you can run searches on Bing and basically get real money for your searches. Just a couple of, remi of reminders heading into the holiday season. Yeah, I've been using uh, the Bing, or uh, I guess now Microsoft Rewards, to get all kinds of stuff. Uh, for I want to say for a solid like five years, it paid for my Xbox Live account. So it paid when I, you know, had. Uh, Zoom at the time, and, and eventually Groove and stuff like that. Like it, it's it's a viable thing to pay for. You know, you basically pay for your Microsoft 365 or Microsoft Office 365 account through that, and all you have to do is basically search. So uh, it's it's a cool way to kind of use Bing, I suppose. Uh, and again, to your Bing's rebate thing, uh, I think that's been aside from the collections, it's been a huge thing for me uh, as being able to go to websites and seeing coupons. Uh, kind of appear at the bottom 
of the browser. So you can you know get all kinds of uh, uh, coupon codes, uh, coupons themselves, discounts that you may not use the websites haven't updated yet, or you may not have known about. Um, again, all within just uh, the Microsoft Edge browser. Some great shopping tips from uh, on Microsoft for the holiday season. Yeah, uh, again, if you have the money, do it. If not, don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, I think that's our last topic for the week ahead, unless you have any final thoughts to add. Uh, no, um, I just uh, am, again, humbled by the technology we were able to kind of use it today. Uh, oh, uh, speaking of humble, um, I believe Panos uh, was humbled by his, I think it was the duo being Time Magazine, one of Time Magazine's. Oh, yeah, yeah, the duo. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. Despite its, you know, controversial rollout and and sales during uh, the the time it's been out, um, at least you know people are recognizing it as a, a new type of device, a new type of in, invention. The Series S was also on there too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's interesting that they skipped over the X and went straight to the S as as a, an event, a top invention for 2020. I think they basically said what uh, yourself said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast is that. The value with the Series S is with game. Uh, what is it again? Game Pass, where you're able to buy a cheap console for three hundred dollars and have it have all these games for such a cheap price and be able to play it with with like in four K and 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 ten and and beautiful console that makes no noise and that's silent almost. So yeah, and fits in most areas. That's, yeah, that's key. As Laurent showed us earlier in the podcast, yeah. Yeah, no one needs to build a separate unit or anything like that to house it. It's not a mini fridge. No, no, it is It is a regular console. Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, that, that wraps up everything. I'll leave you for your traditional uh, outro. Yeah, uh, again, everyone uh, be safe. Wear a mask, uh, enjoy the technology you can, while you can, with the people you can. Um, and again, we probably won't be seeing you guys uh, for a while, I guess, maybe until after this next holiday season in the U.S. So enjoy it if you're celebrating, and if not, enjoy the day. All right. Thank you, everyone, and see you back here soon.